Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. In this special edition of the Transparent Truth, the coach Keith Miller takes you back to his coaching days as a coach with the Compton Tar Babes. Sit back and take a ride. This is the Compton Chronicles, the life and times of Hub City. Ha <laughs> ha! Welcome, welcome. You're now listening live to the Transparent Truth. It's your boy, Coach Keith. It's time for our Sit and Sleep Sleeper of the Week. Really want to thank our guy, Larry Miller. He's allowing us to showcase unknown prospects that need to be brought to the spotlight. Larry is all about family and community, and his support is helping to change the lives of young players across the country. Each week, young men are getting scholarship offers after being featured on this show. So thank you, Larry. When we have business and a man that is really interested in the community, we need to show our support right back at him. Sit and Sleep is the only place that offers advanced sleep technology. Greg? Body diagnostics. That's five-star stuff. This is high-quality stuff. Lay down on a mattress, and within seconds, thousands of sensors can help you find the absolute right mattress for you. Wow, within seconds? Seconds. Man, that's awesome. Sit and Sleep. They'll beat anyone's advertised price, or your mattress is free. Appreciate you, Larry Miller. Thank you, Larry. I'm in the building. I'm not in the studios. I'm actually... In South L.A. at a former player's house, we're going to be recording live. I'm joined by my main man, Lamar Chapman, one of my former Compton High School football players. As you know, over the next five five weeks, we'll be documenting and chronicling the 2005-2007 Compton Tar Bays. Lamar, how you doing? I'm all right. How are everybody doing out there? Man, it's good to have my guy. It's good to see him, first of all. I haven't seen him in a while. Uh but it's good to be here, and, and we're going to tell this story from the start. Um, this is a long story. It's a three-year story, but we're going to kind of give you the, the first snippets of it on this episode. Uh, but before we get started, we have to now introduce our Sleeper of the Week. So our Sleeper of the Week this week comes from my alma mater, the mighty Sarah Cavaliers. Sophomore cornerback Devin King. Devin King out of Sarah High School. This long, lean, athletic, and fluid defensive back has a tremendous ceiling. He's got great size and length. He's got athletic ability and ball skills. Coming off of an injury uh, the previous year, had a solid season, his 10th grade year this past year, but looks to be a very, very intriguing prospect moving forward. Recently picked up his first offer from the University of Nevada, but I think 15 more offers are soon to follow. This kid has a size. Um, he has the tools that college coaches are looking for, and I think he's going to be a big-time find uh, for some coach at the next level. So our Sleep of the Week, presented by Sit and Sleep, Devin King out of Sarah High School. And we're back. So um, 
again, the, the Compton Tar Babe story. Now, this is a this is an intriguing story. It's riveting on so many levels, and we're gonna try to be as real as humanly possible. Some things we cannot disclose because we don't want to get arrested. <laughs> and we don't want to get in trouble, but we're going to try to be as real and as transparent as humanly possible. But this kind of story is, it's, uh, it's in- interesting on so many levels. So let's go ahead and get started. You know, the first thing that comes to my mind when I think about Compton is how we got to Compton. We meaning myself and my older brother, Jason Miller. Uh, and we like to call coach Jason. So, just to kind of give you a screenshot and some context of what was going on at this point in time. Take you back to 2003. We're coaching the Hawthorne High School. Uh, we got in, had some controversy over there with the head coach. And we ended up leaving there kind of midseason. It was not a good situation for us. We sat out the 2004 season. But before we left Hawthorne in 2003, we brought Dominguez over for a couple of seven on seven games and also some, some mentoring and tutoring sessions on that Dominguez staff was a coach and assistant named Calvin Bryant. Uh, Dominguez was trying to learn the double wing, which coach Jason learned from coach Don Markham, the legendary coach Don Markham, who set the national scoring record at Bloomington high school back in, I believe in 1994. And uh, coach Bryant was very, very intrigued by the double wing and, in. The Dominguez coaching staff, along with Keith Donerson, Willie Donerson, they came over. They learned it from my brother. Uh, Coach Jason set the national rushing record at Inglewood High School in 2000 um, and took Inglewood to the CIF championship. And so the Dominguez Don's coaching staff, they would come over and we would kind of tutor them and teach them the double wing offense. And so um, that's how kind of relationship would form. So you fast forward to 2000 and in four, uh, Coach Jason and I, we were sitting out coaching, just kind of watching the coaching in high school lands- landscape. Compton uh, subsequently went 0-30. Varsity team 0-10, JV team 0-10, freshman team 0-10. Coach Calvin Bryan was in desperate need of help. But I got my man Lamar Chapman here. Lamar, what was that season like? What was that 0-4 season like for you and for the team going 0-10, and uh, I saw a statistic the other day. Average score was 44 to 5. So you're essentially getting beat by 40 points on average every game. What was that season like for you and that team? Well, I mean, of course it was, you know, bad. And it was, I mean, you know, it was, it was demoralizing. But you got to understand, like, there, I mean, it's been like that for a couple of years. So it wasn't like a norm, but it was something that, we were used to, so, you know, it really wasn't no no pride at the time. Yeah. So, you know, it was just, that was just what we, we were used to, and that's what we were, you know, accustomed to at the time. Sure. So, I mean, that <clears throat> that's, a, that's a great perspective because I think the theme that people are going to hear in this story is um, culture, right? It was a losing culture in Compton, not just at the, on the football team, but at the school in the community, in the surrounding communities, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, I remember coming over at the start of 2005. We, we, Coach Jason, he got the call from Coach Brian that he wanted him to come be his officer coordinator. He wanted to come run the double wing. We got to turn this Compton thing around. And I remember Coach Jason telling me about that. And I'm thinking, are you joking? Compton High School? The only thing I knew about Compton High School was that a guy named Super Crip went there and played basketball. <laughs> Um, 
and they always had a pretty good basketball team, but never about football. Football was always the, the sport that was getting absolutely trounced by other schools. And, you know, when he told me he was going to Compton, I'm thinking, you got to be joking. But he always said he wanted to, he wanted the opportunity, the chance to put his double wing offense against a team like Poly, right? With great athletes and great tradition and great history. And so when he decided to go over to Compton, of course, he put on his salesman hat. He sold me on, hey, come to Compton and help me. At the time, this is 2005, um, and I'm 24 years old at the time. And Lamar, I think you were probably 18. So uh, you talk about a, a coach and a player that's six years apart. That's pretty significant. But uh, when I got to Compton, we first walked on the camp and something very, very mysterious happened. Uh, I remember the first day we got there and I just remember walking on campus thinking, man, this is like a prison yard. It's bars around the entire school. There's locks everywhere. Nobody's in class. There's trash on the ground everywhere. It, it felt like East Side High, and I'm I'm looking for Joe Clark, Mr. Clark, Mr. Clark. Yeah, I mean, it was unbelievable. What was it like going to Compton in 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 that era in 2005? Where I mean, there just was not a lot of positive things looked towards. What what was it like? And like like I said earlier, you know, it was just the norm. But as far as like someone like you know, you walking on campus or just. A regular student that's not from the area, you know, for sure is a, is a, is shocking. You know what I mean? Is uh, you know, that's the that era was like, still like gang bang heavy at the school. Yeah. So still like you know cliques and stuff like that there. Sure. Um. I, I say I say probably out out of the whole like uh, teaching staff probably about four teachers that care that really care that really you know. Try to put their foot down. I really wanted you to learn. And there's a probably what fifty or so teachers. Yeah, on campus, seventy five yeah. on campus. Yeah, yeah. so you know it's probably like a handful that really cared. Yeah. Uh, some of them probably went out their way to make sure you know you were in class or you know to find you. And it, I mean, I mean, Coach Brian was one, and he a P, he a P, uh, teacher, teacher so, sure. You know, he was one. Yeah. And so it's only like three more left. So that's how it was. But that was just. Like I said, the norm, that was just how it was. That's just how the school was ran. Um, I believe uh, Mr. Jones was a principal. Yeah. I think that was probably his first year or second year. So he was trying to get things together. Sure. But, you know, at that point, things was already ran like how they were ran. So, yeah. you know, he you know he had trouble doing that. He tried, though. Yeah, no question about it. So my first time being on campus, I'm thinking, man, it's like a prison yard. There's bars everywhere and Nobody's in class and girls are dressed half naked. Mm -hmm. um, and I remember parking on campus. And as I got out my car, there's like a kid trying to open up my door as I'm walking away. And I said, come on, hey, what are you doing? This kid's trying to like open up my car door because apparently I had left something in my car that was worth value. And I'm thinking, Give me a break. There's no way I'm going to coach here. This kid's going to break in my car the first day I'm on campus. <laughs> um, and so, it, I mean, it got off to a rocky start. But it, as we move along in the story, I get a chance to meet Coach Bryant. Not really meet him for the first time, but really get a chance to sit down and talk with him. And he says, you know, he wants Jason to come in and be his defensive coordinator. And um, he, excuse me, his offensive coordinator. But he has a defensive coordinator, right? The guy who was there the previous year, Coach Rice. 
right? He says, Keith, I don't have a room for you as a defensive coordinator, but you could be my special teams coach. And me being the not so humble guy that I am, that didn't sit too well with me, but I accepted it because I said, you know what? This guy gave up 45 points a game last year on average. He probably ain't going to be around for long. So let me just sit up in here and let me do what I do. And so, um, you know, that was interesting because I came on as a special teams coach and not many people knew that at the time, but I know one of the first things that we started doing was we started to implement a weight training program at Compton, right? And we broke out those books and each individual player had a workout to complete every day at a certain amount of weight on every rep in every set. Lamar, what do you remember about that? Uh, I remember it. I I remember it being like, uh, starting to look like, you know, a program. And like I said, uh, I was there, I was there and I've, I've been playing varsity since, uh, since a freshman. Yeah. So that first, like what, one week or a week and a half, maybe two, that was, a, that was the most weights I ever lived the whole time I've been there. You know <laughs> right, I mean? right, so, right. So it was, uh, it was definitely different. And of course, you know, you had, you know, some of the players that was used to not lifting weights. So, you know, they were like, well, I don't got to be in here. I don't got to, you know, do this. Yeah. And of course, you know what I mean? Uh, with y'all, it got, that got shut down pretty, pretty fast. But I mean, it was just, it was, it was, it was different. Yeah, no question. Yeah. So uh, upon our starting there, uh, a couple of things. Coach Rice ends up getting a job somewhere else as a teacher. So the defensive coordinator position opens up. Calvin Bryant promotes me as a defensive coordinator, not knowing anything that if I know about def- defense or anything, he just kind of promotes me as a defensive coordinator. Uh, just so happened to be the best movie he's probably ever made in his life other than marrying his wife. But um, the, the, the weightlifting books start. Uh, we start trying to build some camaraderie. Again, like Lamar said, everybody was not on board with this. Um, you probably had half the guys in the program coming to the weight room or maybe even a third. Uh, but one person I remember who was there daily was your little brother, Ronnie Ray Chapman, right? He would be there. And I remember how excited he was to get in there and lift weights, right? To put the tens on the bar and be able to bench press it. And he's like, coach, I did the tens today. And I always thought that was, you know, one of the funniest points of this turnaround is think about where we started, right? We started where guys were excited to put the tens on the bar and get it off their chest on a bench press. And, um, I mean, that's really starting from the mud, right? Starting from absolutely nothing. And that's kind of where we were at. Um, want to move along a little bit in the story. <clears throat> I remember kind of being there a couple of weeks and, and Calvin Bryant, he brings, he, he says, you know, coach Miller, coach Keith, I, I got somebody I want you to meet. So me and my brother, we walk over to him. It's this kid walks up with him. Says, hey, this is a bas- guy. Says he's a basketball player, but he needs to play football. Say, what's up, kid? What's your name? My name is Dayton. Said Dayton. What? What happened to the name like Mark or Kenneth or John? What, what's a Dayton? Cause that's just what my mama named me, Dayton. And so he, he I shake the kids and I say, all right, Dayton. Let me see a three point stance. He looks at me like I've got feces on my face. Then he pops into a two-point defensive stand like he's guarding the ball in basketball. The kid had absolutely no football background, had never picked up a football before in his life. He was about six feet and about 150 pounds soaking wet. And he wanted to come play football. Coach Brian thought he'd be a, a good football player. Well, he wasn't. 
to start. No question about it. But uh, he joined the program and uh, he had some issues around him. Right. Um, he had an older brother who was kind of mischievous and into some uh, some extracurriculars. And, and we'll talk about that a little bit down the road in terms of how Dayton was able to cope. But um, moving along, that weight program was the foundation of kind of what we've built. And so you move forward, you know, and one thing that we always talk about, Lamar, kind of as me and my brothers do, when a, when a coach runs a losing program, there's three excuses. There's always three excuses that's the automatic go-to. They go like this. I got the job late. That's why we lost. I got the job late. I didn't have a chance to coach these guys. Number two, we were young. My kids were young. My kids can't compete with these guys. They were young. That's why we lost. And number three, my kids were ineligible. Hey, my all my guys were ineligible. I showed up. I had 10 players. All my guys were ineligible. That's why we got beat by 100 points. Those are the three built-in excuses losing coaches have in their back pocket it's like it's like an ace it's like an ace or a spade they pull it out whenever they need to to show hey this is why we lost well we we never subscribed to that magazine in my family and what we did we put certain things in place to make sure that that excuse was never a possibility so we instituted along with coach Bryant a study hall and whoa that study hall, gee whiz, you talk about a circus. Can you imagine, ladies and gentlemen, a room full of Compton kids who have been uneducated their entire life in the Compton Unified School System trying to do some homework or reading? Half of them couldn't read. Most of them didn't know how to do the homework or swear that they didn't have any. What do you remember about that study hall, Lamar? Uh, I remember having to get up early to go to it. <laughs> yeah, man. But uh, I mean, I didn't like it at all. It was one of those things that you know I didn't like that that y'all put together that I just had to deal with or I don't play one of those type of deals. But at the end, at the end of the day, and uh, it was helpful, definitely, especially when uh, when y'all when y'all were able to get the tutors in there to help us and stuff like that. So, I mean, it was. It was whatever, but I uh, I remember it uh, being a little fun once everybody, you know, start really buying in, you know, closer to the season and buying into it and in the middle of the season. I think I had, I was late to one of them. Yeah. I had to sit, I had to sit out a quarter or something like that. So it was, uh, it started getting serious. You know, at first it probably started off like, you know, a joke or yeah. how long this is going to last type of deal, but it ended up being something that was, uh, that was worth it. Yeah. So I, I just remember... Before the spring, you know, kind of like in the winter, you know, the February, March kind of period, we had that study hall. It was above those stairs over in the back. And uh, I remember this one instance where, you know, we couldn't get guys to sit down straight and guys wanted to goof off and play and distract others and so on and so forth. And uh, I had to snap at your little brother one time. Hey, you need to shut up, kid. Get your work done. Of course, your brother being the kind of snappy kid that he was at the time, little angry little guy, uh, he he snapped back at me. I said, okay, you need to get up. You need to leave. And uh, we had to kick him off the team for a second, right? We had to kick him off the team. Um, now, Ray, as you know, you know him better than anybody. You're his brother. But, I mean, he was an angry little guy. He loved certain things, which – 
could bring out a smile. But he was an angry little guy, meaning he could get mad in the drop at the drop of a dime and get really, really upset. And I remember him misbehaving in study hall, being disrespectful to the coaches. And we had to we had to we had to pull him off the team. But I remember the day he came back, he apologized. He was remorseful. Uh, I knew then that he was going to be okay. Yeah. What do you remember about that time when he got kicked off? Oh, I remember it was, uh, I think I had, uh, I think I was doing something else. I think you guys sent me to go do something else. I had to go take care of something. I think at, uh, at the other school that we was getting sent to, uh, yeah. what was it called? Uh, Chavez, I believe. Yeah. So I had got there late. So when I got there, it had, you guys already kicked him off. So I think uh, when I talked to him about it, he told me what happened and everything. Then I think I'll either put you or uh, or I think it was Harrison to the side and see if it was anything, you know, yeah. he can do about it. And I think Her- at that point, Harrison was fed up with this whole situation. And then uh, and I remember I was talking to Ron. I was like, man, you got you to gotta do what you got to do to to, uh, you know, get back on the team that you want. I really can't help you with it. You know what I mean? You put yourself in that situation, you got to eat yourself out. So it was like one of those type of deals. Yeah. And, and that's a great segue. Um, so anyways, Ray gets back on He comes to us. He apologizes for more, so he gets back on the team. But that's a great segue, Coach Harrison. <laughs> I want to make sure I introduce all the coaches to the audience. So um, let's start off with Coach Harrison. Coach Harrison – um, I've said this on my Twitter, the funniest human being alive that I've ever met, a absolute comedian. Uh, but he was a little bipolar. Yeah. Uh, he was, he a was, little. he was, he was no nonsense one second. And then he was super jokes the next second. I mean, you didn't know which Harrison was going to, was going to be, was going to show up. Uh, but a fantastic defensive backs coach. Um, it, again, if he, if I was in a foxhole, I would want this guy in it. The guy was, um, he's just a solid individual. He was a solid person. Good dude, solid person. Uh, but you never knew which Harrison you were going to get. The funniest man. And what do you remember about coach Harrison Lamar? Oh man. I, Harrison. I mean, like, like you said, for sure, bipolar, but, um, Harrison is this, I think he's like the. Probably the, the most like passionate coach I've ever been around. Maybe like a little bit too passionate. <laughs> yeah. So it's like it gets to the point that sometimes you're scared, <laughs> but you're not sure like if uh, I, it, like like I think I think Harrison like if I ever feel fear the coach like yeah. fighting me like really fighting me it probably have been Harrison. <laughs> but I mean of course he he loved us to death. He just wanted the best up out of us and he uh, he demanded that every day. And uh, he tried to get every ounce out of you every day. And uh, for sure, zero tolerance. I don't know if he just knew the er- the area he was in, the kids he was dealing with, that he felt like that he had to put his foot down from the beginning and never, you know, let it off. Sure. But uh, Harrison was a great guy. I remember uh, remember it was one game we lost, and I was outside the bus uh, crying and stuff. Man. And, uh, and he came out there and talked to me. That's the first time he ever, like, I seen like a sensitive side yeah. of him ever. Yeah. And I mean, of course, the conversation ended. Uh, you out here crying like a beak, and yeah. we just gonna leave it at that. <laughs> right. After he was sensitive, you know what I mean? I'm How like, you was feeling, yeah. sure. 
So and then uh, I we we was getting back on the bus, and when he when he uh, got on the bus, people was laughing, joking, and he just lost it. He just went off on the whole team. He was like, uh, you know, you got guys out here that really, you know, really caring. Y'all on the bus laughing. I don't want to hear nothing else from nobody, or I'm taking your equipment. He just went off. So. Uh, I mean, I just, I just remember that of Harrison, man. Great guy, yeah. great guy, man. I, I hope um, all is well with him, with, with his coaching that he got going on right now in his career, and uh, he's a head coach right now. So, Harrison is a, a great guy. Yeah, no doubt, uh, a guy I really respect. And no, I would stand on the table for him right now. The best defensive backs coach in the country. Um, all of our defensive backs went Division One, right? Everybody did, yeah. um, and he played a tremendous role in developing. Our defensive backs, uh, but just a a great guy, low bipolar, low crazy. Uh, he always used to yell around, walk around saying, "You know, I I hit somebody else's kids." <laughs> you know, he was just one of those guys, man. He was kind of a, a live wire. Uh, he had a real serious edge to him, but the funniest guy in the world that you'd love to be around because he would just have you cracking up laughing. Uh, move along to Coach Jason. Which is my older brother, and I can tell you everything about him. He's my older brother, but I want Lamar to kind of his perspective probably means more than mine does today. Um, what do you remember about Coach Jason and and what he brought to the program? Uh, I think uh, he just brought a different mind. Just uh, you know, like like I said, he he uh, he he know that wing T in and out. So it was just uh, the way that he 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 always had a good game plan to you know to attack. The opposite defense, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. He always put together a good game plan. Me, me and Jason bumped heads a lot. Yeah, and then we uh we didn't really get along because uh, I mean it was his way or or the highway, you know what I mean. It was and that wasn't my mindset, you know what I mean. That wasn't my mindset. So uh, we bumped heads a lot. But Jason is a, another guy that you know will go to bat for you, do anything he can for you, make sure you're in the right classes. Uh, set you up in the right direction, and you know it was more so. It was bigger than football with him. It yeah. was like you know, uh, he always asked me how I'm doing. You know what I eat, how my mom doing, how everybody, how everybody in my family doing, and the stuff like that. He always just asked me what what am I what what would I do after football? You know what I mean? So it was it was bigger than the game with Jason, but uh, I feel like that he always tried his best to put us in the best situation. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, so Jason was our offensive coordinator. Coach Harrison was our DB's coach. I was our defensive coordinator. Um, and I also coached uh, the kind of defensive line. Coach Tillman coached the linebackers. He's a longtime Compton vet. Uh, best thing I could tell you guys about Coach Tillman was he grew up in Compton. He went to Compton High, works at Compton, coaches at Compton, loves the kids. And, um, you know, he did, he did a really solid job for us. And I'm always appreciative of his efforts, but kind of moving along in the season, <clears throat> you talk about, you know, kind of the springtime in 2005. Uh, I remember being kind of in the weight room one day. And uh, we're at this point in time, we've built a base for our strength, right? Guys are getting stronger. Guys are really starting to <clears throat> eat the weights and kind of develop. So Ryan Walker, which we all knew as burger back then. I mean, he was, Five nine, two fifty, but built like an ox, right? I mean, huge calves, huge quads, huge arms. Um, he was a guy that was going. We knew was going to play both sides of the ball for us. So we we had him eating weights morning, noon, and night. Uh, uh, PJ Laumea, um, 
PJ was a, a linebacker, a defensive, excuse me, a fullback for us. Also played on the offensive line. Uh, we were feeding him ways. Of course, we had the Chapman brothers, more more so with Lamar that first year. Um, you know, he he was a guy set to star for us on both in all three phases: offense, defense, and special teams. So we're trying to build a team here, and that's you know when you take over an O and thirty program, you have to build a team from scratch. Right. And you start as the weeks are moving along and the days are moving along and those weight sessions are moving along. You just, who's developing into what? So as we're in the weight room, we're also on the field, right? We're doing drills and we're running 20s and 40s every day, right, Lamar? Yeah. Uh, we're working on speed. We're trying to get guys' times down because we know how important speed is to the game. And I remember kind of towards the, the end of the spring, um, you know, we, we go through spring practice. No college recruiters come out. I remember we had a tight end at the time. His name was Dion. Do you remember Dion? Yeah, it was it was it Dion Jones, right? Dion Jones. Was you remember yeah. Dion was about six five yeah. and about two hundred and fifty pounds. Yeah. I mean, this kid should have been an NFL player. Yeah. He was a junior at the time. He was going into his senior year, and I remember thinking, or not thinking, we we me and Coach Jason used to talk all the time. Dion was going to be a tight end defensive end. He was going to be the next Lawrence Jackson, who ended up being the first-round draft pick um, of the Seattle Seahawks from USC that we coached over there at Inglewood. But Dion could have been that guy. Yeah. And during spring, Dion didn't lift much weight. He was one of those guys who fought the weight room. He would disappear, not show up. He was one of those guys who fought the, uh, the uh, uh, study hall. Wouldn't show up. You would never see him. But Kevin Spring practice, he was dominant, right? He was knocking everybody down. Nobody could block him. Deion Jones was set to be a star, but didn't really want to do right. Consequently, after spring ball, we never saw Deion again, and he didn't play for us at all. Uh, and nobody, I don't know if anybody's heard from him. Uh, mm-hmm. He just kind of disappeared. I don't even know if he's alive, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, I mean, he had NFL ability and just blew it off because, you know, he didn't want to subscribe to doing what was right to that magazine. So uh, late in spring ball, I remember being in the weight room one day and a kid walks in. He's kind of chisel-faced, kind of broad, skinny-type shoulders, about six feet. And guy walks up and says his name is Anthony Wright, and he's coming down from Palmdale, Lancaster. Thinking, who is this kid? Compton doesn't ever get kids like this. This kid is six feet. He looks athletic. He looks muscular. And um, so what was the story with Anthony right before he came to Compton? You you knew him before that. He was kind of from Compton. What would you know about Anthony? Well, I, well, we all call him Marco. And uh, I just knew him coming up, you know, in the Pop Warner ranks. You know how... You know, back then, you know, you you had a name and Pop Warner yeah. kind of, you know, ca- carry with you throughout the years. And yeah. he was one of those kids that uh, he had a name in Pop Warner. Yeah. He always did good. You know, I, he played on my brother team, I believe, every year. And I think after um, he a part of the Tillman family, you know, they got a, yeah a, a, Coach Tillman's family. Yeah, sure. they got a, they got a big family out out there in uh, in Compton. So uh, I believe he had a he was just like one of those kids that you know had both parents. Involved, so I think it was just when it was time to go to to high school. Like every other family out there in Compton, they send them somewhere else. You know, you know, majority of the kids. If you look at rosters, if you really can get down to the address, they they most likely from Compton or 
should go to Compton or Dominguez. So I think he was just one of those kids and uh, ended up going out, out there wherever he was at, probably at a relative house, and he played out there. And I think that uh, I guess it was to start getting too much from commuting back and forth or however, whatever the situation was, and they decided to bring him back. Right. I, re- I remember apparently there was an incident out there. He kind of got jumped by like five or so. Um, white kids or whatever the case may be. It was some type of racial tension. And then, uh, so his, his folks wanted him to come back to the city of Compton where, you know, I don't know if they were looking for, uh, more subtle surroundings, uh, but they wanted to come back and he shows up kind of towards the end of spring practice. And, um, what a blessing that was because I remember the first day he came, we gave him the football on the field. Um, and we lined up a defense in front of him and he ran around everybody. And we said, Oh, I think we might have got, we might have found something here. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Marco, we called him Marco. We had a bunch of nicknames for him, but Marco was <laughs> one of them. Athlete. Yeah. So we'll get to that. Um, but Anthony Wright checks in and suddenly our season goes from, okay, we, we've got one athlete basically in, in Lamar Chapman to, but Lamar is, you know, at the time he's five eight, so we got an athlete, but he's a little guy. And then this six foot athlete checks in. This this athletic build of Anthony Wright checks in, <clears throat> and okay, now we're going. Now we're moving. Now we're making moves. So <clears throat> this Owen thirty program, we're now we 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 got an offensive line where we're building. Where you know, Fui Fatu Lao Mayo was a sophomore, but he was six one two ninety. We talked about Berger, who was 5'9", 250, but was an ox, strong as an ox. PJ. Um, and shortly after Anthony Wright checks in, we get another transfer that checks in. I mean, it's, it's weird at Compton like that, right? Guys just kind of show up. Demetrius. Demetrius checks in. Demetrius Johnson from yep. Dominguez High School. What, what was the story on Demetrius, Lamar? Uh, I mean, you know, <clears throat> at that time, you know, Dominguez was loaded. That was that. Loaded. Uh, I believe, was that the championship CIF team? championship team. Yeah, was it the team or that's the team yes. that won it? it was the they team haven't that won, won it yet, right? Yeah, they had won it. Yeah, so, you know, they was loaded. I think they had uh, they had Marvin Johnson at yep. quarterback. You know, he was, what, dream, I think he was dream team. Yeah, year, University year. of Oregon. Yeah, and then they uh, they got uh, Bull checked in that year. So. Yeah. I mean, Hilton checked in that year. Yeah, Hilton so was yeah. just getting more and more. The rich was just getting richer. So I think that he just, you know, knew that he wasn't going to play there. And yeah. of course, he's a talent. Yeah, you know, a real talent. I, th- I even think, like to this day, I always think about if he wouldn't have got hurt. If he wouldn't have got hurt, we I feel like that uh, it would have been a closer game with Dominguez. Yeah. And I think that we would be Esperanza in that in that playoff yeah, yeah. game. If he, well, we don't want to get a fans yeah. of a. All the, I yeah, I, I know you over there hyped time, up. Man. I know. I, I see you. This I see is, you. Uh, so Demetrius Johnson checks in. He's mm-hmm. a quarterback from Dominguez. He's got baggage, though. D- Demetrius loves the weed. Yeah. Uh, he loves not to go to class. Okay, it's kind of like the theme in Compton. But uh, he checks in. He can take a snap from center. He can throw the ball downfield a little bit. Okay, let's institute this guy and, and put him into our offense. He learns pretty quickly. He's running our offense in springtime. Okay, we got a wing back in Lamar. We got a wing back in Anthony Wright. We've now found a quarterback in Demetrius Johnson. Hey, things are looking up. We want it. We're continuing to build here. Another transfer checks in. Now I want to make this clear to you guys. We're not out recruiting these kids. They just show up at Compton High School. 
quarter heel checks in from Crenshaw. Lamar, I've always been misinformed or uninformed about how or why Porter checks in. Do you know the backstory? Can you clear it up? From my understanding, he got whatever ran out of Crenshaw means. But I know he was he was on the band, right? He was a part of the music band at Crenshaw. He was not a football player. Uh, he was checking in. He was going to be a junior. He was on the band, never played football, but he was six foot three, 275 pounds. And I'm thinking, you're not finna play the clarinet here, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> so Porter Hill checks in and, you know, and always the first thing we want to do when a guy checks into one of our schools is we want to get some numbers on the guy. We want to see if he can run, see if he can lift. Is he strong? Is he fast? We get him in the weight room. He's not very strong. Great build, but not very strong. We get him to run a 40, and he runs about a 40 in about a month and a half. <laughs> Porter had this chronic foot problem where he limped every time he ran. So he couldn't really run well because he was always limping when he ran. But he was a big body. He was willing. He like he kind of liked lifting weights. He kind of liked what it did to his frame. So he was willing to get in the weight room. And uh, so, you know, Hey, another big guy to add to our front, our O line, add to our D line. So, hey, at that point in time, you know, there's Porter at 6'3, 275, 280. There's Fatu at 6'1, 290. There's Berger at 5'8, 250, but will knock down most guys who are 310 pounds. David Paul was a, a guard at about 5'11, 235, 240, but was cerebral and smart and, um, so we're, I mean, we're building a line here. And my brother, who's our office coordinator, was a line, office of line guy and been a line coach his whole life. So building office of line is kind of what he does. And so <clears throat> at that point, we're building and guys are lifting. Uh, Matthew Martin checks in, yeah. right? Matthew yep. Martin, he's kind of like a linebacker tight end for us. Uh, he was going to be a senior. So we had, I, I just now realized, we had a team, half a team full of transfers, right, that we didn't recruit. Uh, but they just kind of showed up, and we kind of created a team and put them under kind of our structure and our discipline, and we we started moving ahead. So I want to fast forward to the early summer, Lamar. The early summer, I don't know if you remember this, but I remember this vividly. We played in the L.A. Watts Summer Games. Your senior year. I remember that. And we weren't a very good team at the time, but we had one really good player, which was you. Um, you intercepted balls. You caught touchdowns. You were essentially a one-man show at the time. Anthony Wright was not a part of the team at that time. I'm not sure if Demetrius was. Did Demetrius play in that tournament? Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, it's hard. I don't remember. Um, I think Lawrence was throwing the ball yeah, at that time. Yeah, but Lawrence Winston, who yeah. was our... Backups, backup quarterback was playing. Um, he couldn't really throw, but uh, I mean, we were a one-man show, Lamar, and it was it was your show, and you led us, right? You led us in that tournament. We played really well, and it actually got pretty far. And everybody's thinking, how is Compton doing anything? Compton hasn't been heard of since you know the seventies, right? Uh, but you, but you were a star, and you kind of put everybody on notice that hey. You know, I'm here, but you weren't really supposed to be there, Lamar. <laughs> nah. There's a story behind all that. 
Yeah. So let's kind of dive into that. Where, where do you want to start that story off? Uh, I guess we would start it off from uh, eighth grade. Go ahead. So I uh, so my eight my eighth grade year, uh, I ended up just falling, you know, bad habits to the wayside, and uh, I got kicked out of school. Like my my eighth grade year. Yeah. Like uh, I think it was like months in. Well, no, nah, I say it was about like the first quarter. Okay. So uh, I ended up getting kicked out, and they uh, sent me to a school. Sent me to a school called uh, Saya. Yeah. And uh, it was in a neighborhood that wasn't wasn't good for me. Wasn't the, friendly. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. good for me at the time, and it wasn't wasn't safe either. Yeah. Because I mean, you know, coming up, I grew up in Compton, and you know, Pop Warner like. Made, made me like a figure in Compton You know what I mean As far yeah. as Pop Warner And stuff like that And just who I were So uh And you know Bad decisions I made As a youth But anyway though So uh, they sent me to a school Called Sale Just wasn't The right situation for me And then uh Of course I had to walk there yeah. So I had to walk through Probably about Two or three different Neighborhoods That wasn't the right Situation for me To get to school Yeah And I already don't Want to go to school Cause you know That's just That's just not what we do In Compton at the time Yeah So uh You know Of course it, That made the decision For me pretty easy So um I end up uh I end up finishing there And uh So the next year They They uh They made me go there again for as ninth grade, cause it was like one of those like transitional schools to it go like eighth, ninth, tenth, like yeah. that all the way up. So they made me go there in my ninth, my ninth grade year, and uh, I just decided like you know not to go to school at all. My whole ninth grade, yeah. I checked in, and I just I just never went, yeah. never went, never went to school ever. My ninth grade year. So uh, the uh, second semester of it, you know, my 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 parents and stuff, you know, finally found out about it. The second semester of my ninth grade year. They finally found out that, you know, basically like I wasn't going to school because, you know, uh, I get home, delete the messages off the answer machine. Mom didn't have a cell phone at the time, so I delete the message before she get there and uh, I just wouldn't, wouldn't come. So uh, the letters, I get rid of the letters, I go to the mailbox, open the mailbox. I think I made a duplicate duplicate copy of her, the mailbox key, so I go in there and take that out saying I was absent and all that. So uh, so she it caught up to me my, my uh, second semester. So, so second semester called to me, and basically I just didn't have a first semester at all, period. Yeah. So I, uh, I ended up, uh, I don't think, I, matter of fact, I didn't graduate from eighth grade though, but they just pushed me along or whatnot. So um, I think because like an age type deal, they sure. went my age there with eight, eight grades. But anyway though, so I ended up uh, checking into somehow I checked into Compton, my. Uh, Second, like three months until the second semester of my uh, ninth grade year. So like spring of ninth grade, late in the spring of the ninth grade, something like that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I checked in there, and uh, no, I just checked checked in. So fast forward to it's your senior year at Compton. Mm-hmm. We're there. It's the springtime, and there's a question lingering: like, does Lamar have another semester to do? Yeah. Does he not? Yeah. Uh, so really, you didn't have another semester to do because. Or really you did because you didn't, I don't know. But it, it came to a point where Lamar, there was a question whether or not he had another semester of school. And there was a transcript from his freshman semester that was all F's because he never went to school. But was it nobody could find it? What, what was the issue with that? Uh. I guess go ahead, go explain. Well, the, the issue with it was um, after I, after all the paperwork was did, 
you know, after like all the legal stuff was did yeah. with, with everything, with whoever handled it, you know what I mean? I believe, I don't, I don't know who it was that handled the, the situation as far as this, as far as this uh, going through the board and making sure everything was clear. Yeah. It got cleared. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, uh, it, it did get cleared. It, it got cleared. It, it did get It got cleared. It got cleared. Um, officially got cleared. So yeah. it wasn't like no unofficial type yeah, of deal no, no. or it, it was officially. It was, it was through, definitely a fit. Yeah. Through, through the you board. You had another so, semester. Yeah. I had another semester. So basically, uh, the rule was, uh, I believe every kid is granted, uh, eight semesters. Eight semesters. Or something like that. Right. So and you only had seven, seven in your file. I had seven in my file. Right. So, so the, the big question is, <laughs> In that file, uh-huh. now I don't, I don't, I can't get anybody in trouble here, but I, I will not confirm nor will I deny that someone went into that office at Compton High, grabbed that freshman semester transcript, and threw it into the fire in the pits of hell, <laughs> so that it could never be found again, and all of a sudden. It was clear that Lamar Chapman had never gone to school fall semester of his freshman year. He had an eighth semester that was due to him, and we did not want to deprive him of his education. So he had basically a, his his senior senior his super senior uh, first semester was going to be at Compton High and playing for Compton High's football team. We were excited about that as coaches, and uh, we took full advantage of it, but. Uh, we're going to leave that right here, Lamar, and we're going to continue next episode with this story and with uh, kind of finishing off summer practice and moving on into our first game versus Norwalk where you played a pivotal role. Um, and we'll talk a little bit about that on the next episode. I appreciate everybody out there listening. The Compton Tar Babes, 2005-2007 chronicled seasons and story and saga you're not going to want to miss our next episodes the commentary base will be the feature on the transparent truth for the next five weeks i'll be telling this story with former players um, adding details and context and circumstance and uh, i hope you guys keep listening along lamar will be back next episode to give you more of, of his transparent truth and uh, don't miss it. Please follow us on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Follow me, Coach Keith underscore MP. Without further ado, I want to bring this baby to a close. There's a new sheriff in town, and his name's Reggie Hammond. Y'all be cool. <laughs>